1966, the Chicago Bears drafted the son of a Pennsylvania coal miner in the fourth round. Doug Buffon would go on to play 15 seasons for the Bears and later be named one of the 100 greatest Bears of all time. His allegiance to the Bears never waned, even when he took to the microphone and witnessed some horrendous Bears teams. The fact is, there's not the fear put into him because this game is a lot about fear. You either do the job or you go home and go sell hamburgers at McDonald's. Doug told it like it is, and that's part of the reason his nephew John has dedicated this show to Doug. And now John Buffon is spreading Buffon-branded beratements just like his uncle. Win the football game. You're the head coach. I don't care what you have your fingers in. I don't care what you're meddling in. You're the head freaking coach. We get it. You're the most important guy on the staff. You don't have to keep trying to legitimize that. And he's got pep talks too. I love this team. And I know everyone watching and listening loves this team. So while we may be pessimistic and cynical, every one of us still has hope that the stars will align at some point. And if that ever does happen, you'll be glad you stuck around. John is telling it like it is here on Buffon 55. And joining John are Alyssa Barbieri, managing editor of USA Today's NFL Wires, including Bears Wire. And also Danny Shimon, lead game and draft analyst for the Barroom Network. Buckle up and bear down. This is Buffon 55, The John Buffon Show. Ding dong, the streak is dead. Hello and welcome to another edition of Buffon 55, a fast-paced approach at breaking down those Chicago Bears. My name's John Buffon and with me as always is my co-host and producer, Alyssa Barbieri. Alyssa! For the first time in nearly a year, we get to talk about the Chicago Bears winning a football game. I was lucky enough to be at that game, and it was kind of a cosmic experience. How are you feeling after that win? I'm feeling great. I mean, for the first time, I got to, I'm actually wearing it. I got to wear my Victory Monday. About time. <laughs> On a Friday, though, of course yeah. that would happen, you know? So, I mean, I mean, especially after Big Buckus died, I'm like, they have to win this game. And just watching them go out there and do it, get the first win, knowing that we were going to get to come on here and celebrate a win for the first time in almost a year. Oh, my gosh. I'm riding high. I'm flying high. Same here. It was uh, Being there, it was a great experience. A lot of Bears fans there. Uh, obviously, it was a very emotional day with Dick Butkus passing away. Uh, overall, just a really great game played by the Chicago Bears. And, you know, let's, let's we're not going to get ahead of ourselves, but you know what? We're allowed to enjoy a victory. We're allowed to be proud of the team. We're allowed to be excited that they won a football game. We haven't felt that way in a very long time, so we're going to enjoy it while we have it. But before we break down, this much-needed win, Alyssa. Can you let everybody know how Buffon 55 works? 
I sure can. So we're going to begin with our classic B-55 segment. That's when I ask John five questions and his responses must be completed within 55 seconds. The 55 is John's way of paying tribute to the great Doug Buffon, his uncle, his mentor, and a man who played 15 seasons with the Bears and wore number 55. Then at halftime, we're going to break down the Bears' upcoming opponent. And this week, we're going to take a deep dive on the division rival Minnesota Vikings, a team that's also struggling at one and four. We're then going to finish things up with a free-for-all that we call Buffon's Basement, where Danny Shimon joins John and me, and the three of us are going to dive into some Bears talk and celebrate a win for the first time in a long time. So, John, it's been a while since we last did this because of the short week, the Thursday game. But also, last time, it's been a while since we celebrated a win, so are you ready for this? Yeah, I, I gotta change my tone up a little bit. But yeah, I, th- I, think I'm, I think I'm ready. I'm sorry, I've been stuck in one gear for almost a year. I gotta, I gotta switch it over. It, was, it might be a little bit rusty. We've been asking for something new, and here we are. Let's go. So it's time for our B55 segment. So that's when I'm going to ask John five questions about the Bears, and he somehow finds a way to keep his responses within 55 seconds. Okay, so let's get it started. So, John, like you said, you were at FedEx Field when the Bears defeated the Commanders 40-20. to What was the atmosphere like, and what was your overall attitude once the Bears claimed victory? You know the drill? 55 seconds? And go. Well, first of all, shout out to the Commanders fans. They were very accommodating and kind. And second of all, shout out to the huge amount of Bears fans that went to FedEx Field on a Thursday night to support, uh, at that time, 0-4 team. Bears fans are just incredible, man. But most of the night, I felt like I was in bizarro world. The Bears offense was moving the ball with ease in the first half. The Bears defense was sacking the quarterback. The Commanders fans were booing their team. As the team was leaving for halftime, these loud boos were just swirling around me. And I thought to myself, so this is what it feels like to be on the other end of that. So, uh, and then I actually tweeted this during the game, but I was seated in a section of very passionate Commanders fans. And one guy in particular just kept screaming, it's the Chicago Bears. What are we doing? It's the Chicago Bears. They haven't won a game since last year. And I'll be honest, that felt awesome. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't get comfortable until the clock hit triple zeros because, you know, I, I watched the game, but it was awesome to be there. And hopefully the team can build on it. I am so glad that they got a win while you were there, got a win for me on my birthday, got a win in honor of Dick Buckus. I mean, that just sounds like an incredible experience. I'm just like, oh, I'm so happy for John. He's been through so much. You've watched this team like this. I'm just so happy he gets to experience this in person. He had never uh, never experienced a Bears win. And now I'm about to petition you to go to every Bears game so that they can win because apparently you're their good their new good luck charms. So. Well, let's hey. not get carried away, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was awesome. Like it, it, the, the amount of bears fans that were there was just really, really cool to be around the atmosphere, the emotion and the team played uh, really well and got, and got a win. So it, it was really, it was really cool to be there. Yeah. You could definitely hear the bears fans. And as we know, bears fans travel well, even when our team hasn't won a game in almost a year. So mm-hmm. very excited and glad that the team was able to get you and the rest of the fans there a victory. Love it. So we're going to stick with that game because, hey, it's a win. Uh, and we're going to talk about Justin Fields, who had another four-touchdown performance, and DJ Moore, who put himself on the national radar with eight catches for a career-high 230 yards and three touchdowns. So, John, this is two weeks in a row now that the offense has put up really good numbers. So I'm going to ask you this. Do you think that this pace is sustainable? You have 55 seconds. 
Well, like all Bears fans, I, I certainly hope so. Fields looks more comfortable back there. He was letting it rip a little bit more. But how about DJ Moore? Get him the ball and watch him run. And it's not just the yards after that are impressive. The catch in the end zone was brilliant. The Bears have their bona fide number one receiver. He has 27 catches for 531 yards and five touchdowns through five games. That's only 13 yards less than the Bears' total leading, leading receiver last year, Cole Komet, who had 544 yards receiving. This guy is special. He's had three 100-yard games so far. I'm stoked about, about DJ Moore and what he can help uh, bring to this team. Another thing that might have been a tad overlooked is that as a team, the Bears did rush for 178 yards. Despite all the stats that were put, being put up by Fields and DJ Moore, they still rushed the ball 32 times. 32 times and averaged about five and a half yards per carry. And it was nice to see Fields rack up 57 yards to complement his throwing performance. So, geez, I really hope it's sustainable. Yeah. Like you said, just watching DJ Moore go off, I was like, why did it take that long? But also, finally, that is why the Bears went out and traded for him. And happy to see him have a career night on a national stage so the rest of the NFL can see. Yes, he is a number one receiver, and he is the, I think, is the fifth most receiving yards now at this point. And it's just yeah. insane, crazy excited for him uh, and for Justin Fields, too, who for a second game, he really looks like he's starting to put it together. He's confident. You can see he's more decisive. He's more, and the offensive line really stepping up in that game, too. I mean, just really excited for the offense. We'll see. They do have a favorable slate of games coming up here. So yeah. we'll see if they're able to sustain it, which. Hopefully that's the goal because there are some important decisions uh, that Ryan Poles is going to have to make here at the end of the year. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but just hats off to, to Justin Fields and DJ Moore and the entire offense. We got we were able to put we were able to put off those conversations at least for another week about what's going to happen. <laughs> but winning is the is the best deodorant. We don't have to talk about that right now until you know they maybe lose two or three in a row. But but this actually put that off for another week where we can you know kind of be happy. Yeah, this is weird. I'm like smiling like way too much for yeah. one of our weird. shows. Weird. And it's, I know I get it. They're one and four, but still, we're, it's, it's a win. We haven't had it for a long time. Oh, man. And it feels so good. So, unfortunately, we're going to have to kind of look at the oh, negative side now. Pivot. Pivoting. Here we go. So, bringing in DJ Moore, that is a trade that has certainly paid off so far. But a trade that ultimately didn't work out was the one the Bears made for Chase Claypool last year. Mm. So after sending a second-round pick to Pittsburgh last November, the disgruntled receiver was sent off to Miami for a late-round pick swap a day after the Bears' win against the Commanders. Claypool finished his tenure with the Bears with 18 catches for 191 yards and one touchdown in about 10 games. So I'm curious, John, how bad, because it's bad, how <laughs> bad do you believe this trade really was? 55 seconds are on the clock. Good luck. Well, it's one of the biggest trade blunders in recent Bears history. I'm trying to think about trades that the Bears have made, and maybe Rick Meyer in 1997 was worse. And I'm speaking about strictly acquisitions because they traded Greg Olson for a mid-round pick. They traded up for Trubisky, and I think they traded uh, Mike Ditka away for a washing machine. But I'm not going to sit here and say I knew this was going to happen. I remember thinking, that's a pretty steep price for Chase Claypool at the time, but I also knew he could potentially help a Bears receiving core that we already mentioned was pretty bad. And there was a market for Chase Claypool. The Packers were reportedly in on him and offered offered something similar. And the Bears probably didn't know they were trading the number 32 overall pick at the time. Now, with that said, 
I would have hoped they would have done extensive vetting and research on a guy they were trading significant draft capital for. It, this never even showed signs of working. He had attitude problems. He didn't and couldn't block. Just seemed like he was a non-factor in everything. Luckily, they didn't pay him or extend him or do any kind of monumental draft damage. But it will absolutely go down as a positively awful trade. Yeah, I think this will go down as Ryan Bowles' worst move as a GM, at least player-wise. Um, so, I mean, it was I, – I feel like finally get him out of the building because, I mean, is it a coincidence really that the Bears' offense has looked the best that it has all season when he is not playing on the field? Well, I mean, him. yeah, they did not need him. And, I mean, last year it was easy to go like, okay, well, he's coming into a new system, right? And he has to learn the playbook and all that. And that's explaining the slow start. But now this season we knew – we're going to know pretty early, right, whether or not that, that this trade was a bust or not. And I think we have the answer. And the fact that Ryan Poles is able to even get, you know, swap of late round picks, get something for him. I mean, I think that's a small victory. But, yeah, this is just a very bad blunder. But, you know, Ryan Poles, he is not afraid to admit his mistakes when he's done when he's done wrong. So, bye-bye, Chase. Good luck in Miami. Yeah, I mean, listen, I <laughs> – I made every excuse for Chase Claypool known to man. Like he didn't know the playbook. He just got in Chicago. Let's see what he's like this year. And it just didn't, it never even showed signs of working. Like I said, and uh, I was, I wasn't even sure they were going to, and I said this last week, I was surprised they made him inactive because you know, a lot of GMs and coaches are like, we traded a lot for this guy. We got to try to make it work. We can't admit defeat on this. We got to keep, we got to keep trotting them out there. And to their credit, they sat him down and eventually they 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 traded him off. Uh, not the, that doesn't excuse you know trading for him, <laughs> but uh, it, at least you you realize what you did. You get rid of him and, and you move on. And like I said, they didn't they didn't dig themselves in any kind of salary cap problem. They didn't give him a big contract and it didn't work out. They traded a pretty significant draft pick for him, but luckily they have a pretty good stockpile of picks moving forward anyway. So they took a shot, didn't work. Still a really, really crappy trade, but you know it's not gonna it's not gonna sink the team any worse than they already are. Yeah, definitely a learning moment for Ryan Poles. So, you know, hopefully he will learn from that moving forward. And now, hey, because the Bears hadn't won a game while Chase Claypool's, uh, you know, was active and playing, and now look at them now, one and zero. That's <laughs> or actually technically one and one because he didn't play against uh, the Broncos. So one and one, but whatever, I'll take it. <laughs> They, they, they. I don't think they won a game since they traded for him. And then as soon as they, as soon as they sit him down, they win. So who's to, who's to say? Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. So we've talked about receivers. So let's move over into the running backs. So it looks as though Khalil Herbert's going to miss a few weeks with an ankle injury, and Roshan Johnson could miss the week with a concussion. Um, and fullback Kerry Blazingame had to tote the majority of the carries towards the end of the game. The Bears still have some options moving forward, but going into this game against Minnesota, how confident are you in the running game? Break it down in 55 seconds. Ooh. Well, losing Herbert is tough. He was running really well the last couple of games. Uh, we'll wait and see what Roshan Johnson's status is. Under normal circumstances, I would say this is a great opportunity to see what the young kid has. And we still may get that chance, depending on how many weeks Herbert is out. But I think the depth of this running back room is coming into play here. You lose Herbert, maybe lose Johnson. Travis Homer was hurt. But you still have Deontay Foreman, who has lead back experience and has been a healthy scratch in recent weeks. I think Foreman can do an adequate job filling in. And they also 
also brought Darrington Evans back, who was on the Dolphins practice squad, but also was on the Bears roster last year, and he knows the system. And so sometimes if you lose your running back and your backup running back, you are looking at the free agent scrap heap, and you're worried about who you're trotting out there. But the Bears might be able to put a Band-Aid on this one. We'll have to see how the rest of this week plays out with uh, Johnson and how the concussion protocol goes. But, I mean, it still is a bummer that uh, that Herbert is going to miss some time because it felt like he was really starting to hit his stride. Yeah, and it's a shame for Herbert. But, again, you know, this running back group was deep, right, coming into the mm-hmm. season. And, you know, really hoping to see what Roshan can do. You know, even if he misses this week, it sounds like Herbert might be out another week or two after that. So I think Roshan will still get plenty of carries. But like you said, Deontay Foreman, someone who has shown in the past, just last season, right, with the Carolina Panthers, that he can step up in place of a lead back being absent when he replaced Christian McCaffrey in Carolina, and that he can produce, right? So uh, we haven't gotten to see him a lot this season. He's been inactive, I think, since week two. So now, I mean... Yeah, fresh, fresh legs. legs is going to get plenty <laughs> of opportunities. And also, want to give it up for, for Kari Blasingame, who stepped yeah. in with a career three carries um, heading into that game and was able to help the Bears close it out. So, my goodness, it just... I, re- I remember some Commanders fans were beside me like, who is this guy? I'm like, uh, it's the fullback. I'm not, I'm not sure. Look, I think, uh, I think a lot of people got hurt because they, they, no one had any idea who he was. <laughs> it was, I was like, yeah, that, this, this means that, um, the, the, the rest of the running backs are hurt since the blazing games in there taking toting the rock for the bears. But, uh, you know, yeah, like you said, props to him for stepping in doing what he had to do. Uh, and he, they'll get a, they'll get a little help moving into this week. Absolutely. So we're going to end on this. Uh, Bears fans and football fans in general received some devastating news Thursday evening when it was reported that legendary linebacker Dick Buckus had passed away at the age of 80. Perhaps the best encapsulation of Chicago Bears football, Buckus was beloved for his physicality and love for the game. Now, John, how will you remember Dick Buckus? No clock for this one? Go for it. Uh, well, this one really hit me. Uh, I was in the car on my way to the Bears game when I heard the news, and I was in initial disbelief because I, like many Bears fans, just assumed Dick Butkus was going to live forever. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, there were three Chicago Bears that were talked about more than the others. Obviously, Uncle Doug, but then it was Gale Sayers and Dick Butkus. Uh, and while he was Illinois through and through from high school to college to the NFL, his impact was far greater than that. Uh, I got to the stadium and I had my Bears hat on and Commanders fans were approaching me saying how incredible Dick Butkus was. And they had a moment of silence for him before the game with his picture on the big screen. You know, anytime there is a Legends of the NFL show or documentary or story, Dick Butkus is one of the first names that's brought up. If you had to design in a lab what a prototypical linebacker would look like and act like, it would be Dick Butkus. Listen, he was the quintessential linebacker. Uh, He was the quintessential Chicago Bear. And I'm just really proud that he played for my favorite team. That'll do it for B55. After this message, we'll preview the Minnesota Vikings and we'll talk with Danny Shimon, the Barroom's lead analyst. The fall is where we rock here at the Barroom Network with over 15 shows scheduled from September to January. Make sure you subscribe to the Barroom Network's YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back to Buffoon 55. This week, the Chicago Bears take on the division rival Minnesota Vikings, who are also looking for their second win of the season. Aldo Gandia previews the Vikings and lets Bears fans know what they're up against on Sunday afternoon. Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins had a chance to upset the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. Cousins rolling out. He's not going to get a chance. Tana ends it. Mike Tana. Very much a, a disappointed locker room right now. The Vikings' disappointment grew even more when news broke about the extent of wide receiver Justin Jefferson's injury. Breaking news for you. The Vikings plan to place their superstar wide receiver Justin Jefferson on injured reserve because of the hamstring injury that he suffered in Sunday's loss to the Chiefs. The exact timetable on Jefferson is to be determined. It's going to be based upon how he, the hamstring heals, how he responds to treatment. But placing him on IR means that Jefferson is out for at least the next four games. From the Chicago 13 on third and five, Cousins throwing for Jefferson, got it! While Jefferson has only two career touchdowns in the six games he's played against the Bears, he's been a matchup nightmare. That was evident in his first game when he had eight catches for 135 yards. Since his arrival, the Vikings are 5-1 against Chicago. Prior to that, the Bears had beaten the Vikings four straight games. There's no doubt that Jefferson's absence from the game Sunday is a huge gain for the Bears. That sucks, and here's why. Because he's awesome, and he changes so many things in games. Now, you need to move on without him. So that means all hands on deck. Jordan Addison, K.J. Osborne, T.J. Hawkinson, Josh Oliver, Johnny Munt, running backs, defense, everybody just a little bit more. You know, we still have a a system and an offense that we run and if you know all 11 players were different there's still a stability there of what you do and how you do it and your philosophy that's installed you know back in April and so I think there's a, a um, foundation you know that you have that, that you lean on uh, when there are curveballs thrown that are going to be inevitably thrown at you. It's the rookie Jordan Addison who already has three touchdown catches who will likely be the focal point of the Vikings passing game. I think the thing that jumped out really, really yesterday was just how fast he was playing. I don't know if you guys felt that as well, but it's just no matter what he was doing, he was running and he was going. He was getting on edges, um, running away from coverage, you know, even his touchdown. You know, that's a that's a. You know, just a great example of playing fast and getting to the void, uh, not necessarily having it present itself, uh, you know, that jumps out at you at the snap, oh, he's going to run to that location. Kirk knows he's going there, Jordan knows he's going, but how fast he did it, avoiding contact, I think he's improving, avoiding some of the physical play that young players tend to get. You know, it's pretty easy to build chemistry and guys are pretty good, <laughs> you know, so I'd love to tell you that, oh, we did this, we did that. And certainly there was time we're communicating and working, but I mean, when you see him run routes and one-on-ones and OTAs, you're like, okay, I think, I think he can play. The highest paid tight end in the NFL, TJ Hawkinson, benefited immensely from Jefferson's presence. Now he might find the matchups less favorable. Yeah, I felt that right when I got here. Um, they, they play a lot of shell um, to, to JJ uh, to, to have the safety over top to help him, you know, and so um, those, those were things that put me on a backer and, and, and um, some things that, 
you know, in, in my game and in my world um, helped me obviously a lot. The Vikings offensive line was healthy since the first game of the season, but did allow three sacks on Sunday. I thought for the most part, though, the, those guys up front really used a lot of the help we gave them on the edges. The backs were great, kind of internally helping. Um, and that'll help those matchups go win when Kirk's got time to really see the whole field. The Vikings only average 80 yards rushing per game, and their rushing attempts is a league low. Caution. On defense, newly acquired defensive coordinator Brian Flores brought his blitz-heavy style of defense with him, and it has yet to yield the expected results. The Vikings have blitzed a whopping 56% of the time this season, most in the NFL. ESPN's Bill Barnwall recently wrote, you could forgive big gains on blitz attempts if the blitzes were forcing lots of sacks or turnovers, but they haven't had a single interception with blitzes and just six sacks on 108 plays with extra rushers. That's about half the league average sack rate on blitzes of 9.3%. Overall, the Vikings averaged two fewer sacks per game than the league-leading Buffalo Bills and one more than the 29th-ranked Bears. And that's thanks to Daniil Hunter. He has six sacks this season. Against the Bears, expect Flores to bring the house like he did against rookie Bryce Young in Week 4. It's the only game this season where the blitz worked. What's frustrating Vikings fans is that they believe the aggressive play calling on defense would yield more turnovers. They have only three takeaways, a league-low one interception, and a minus-nine turnover differential. The Bears' offense could feast on Flores' defense if the offensive line continues to give fields to pockets he saw in Washington and JF1 spots the open receiver downfield. On special teams, the Vikings have one of the best special teams aces in the National Football League, Josh Metellus. Metellus led the team in special team tackles in 2020 and 2022. For Buffon 55, I'm Aldo Gandia. Thanks again to Aldo Gandia for putting together that preview video. One of the best in the business. What a great asset to have here at the bar room. But let's move on to a segment we call Buffon's Basement. For that, we bring in the bar room's lead analyst, Danny Shimon. Welcome to the program. Danny, how you doing? What's up, guys? How are you? And, and, and John, you, you proved it, man. You are the Bears' uh, lucky rabbit foot. I'm going to pick you up to one game and they won. So that, 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 that must have been that must have been it. So uh, we got a lot to cover here, Danny. I want to talk about the upcoming game, but I want to talk about some other things going around the team. Uh, we briefly kind of hit on the Chase Claypool saga in the in the first segment. Now that that saga is over, uh, when the trade happened, the Bears were in dire need of a, of a wide receiver. But his performance never really did anything to alleviate that need. He had one touchdown catch in 10 games and averaged less than two catches per game. So in your opinion, because I said it's one of the biggest blunders as far as a trade in recent Bears history, what do you think as far as this does for Ryan Pohl's legacy or his standing as the Bears general manager? 
Well, and if you ask me, I mean, this is one of uh, one of many stains on the Ryan Poles resume. Of, um, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan right now of Ryan Poles, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, like you, you called it out great there, John. In terms of they try to bring in a, a kid that that in his rookie season with Pittsburgh had over 800 yards, I believe, six or seven touchdowns. So short promise coming out of Notre Dame. Uh, you know, his combination of size, speed, and big catch rate, his ability to make plays, you know, down the football field, especially on those those jump ball situations, was what I think Ryan Poles was looking at when, when he brought him in here. And thought I was going to give him that big receiver, a guy that can throw the ball up to, like I said, make plays on a football field. But for whatever, he just never fit here with Claypool, whether it was just his attitude, his, his, his you know, inability to mix in with the coaching staff. Uh, I, I just don't know what it was. Obviously, we're not, we're not inside that locker room, but it just, for whatever reason, it just never fit. And, uh, you know, he went into the offseason talking a big game in terms of he was going to be, you know, get, get prepared for the season, learn the playbook, you know, spend the whole OTAs with with Justin and, and the rest of the offensive guys and, and come out firing. And and that, that Green Bay game, that, I mean, that that as a fan, as an analyst, I mean, that that was embarrassing to see that type of effort he put on the football field. Uh, you know, just, just watching it, just re-watching that tape, you know, the next day was even more infuriating. Uh, so, obviously, it was a guy that just didn't fit in here, didn't want to be here, either pretty like from his actions. Um, and now he's off to Miami. And then I just I heard something recently that, that Miami's thinking about even running him as, as, as a tight end, possibly. So, we'll see how it goes down there in, in Miami. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's something that, that uh, unfortunately, you lose a, a, a high pick. Uh, but, you know, it is it is what it is at this point. You just kind of move on now and just, you know, and, and go with what you got. Now, Danny, in the two weeks that Claypool wasn't active, the Bears ran a lot more 12 personnel, which has two tight ends. In fact, the last game, they ran 12 personnel just as much as the three wide receiver 11 personnel, and that appeared to have helped the offense immens- uh, immensely, yep. both in the run and the passing game. And I bring that up just because, do you think that the Bears have maybe found their identity and what they want to do? Do you think that that, maybe it's not Chase Claypool related, but they just found like how the, the best way to run this offense to make it the most efficient? Yeah, I mean, especially with Washington, I mean, I saw a lot of 12 personnel in there, and, I, and it helped. It helped both in, the, in pass blocking, obviously with Mercedes Lewis, who was renowned for his, his ability to block, and also as, as a, uh, in the run game as well. You know, it, you know, it helps him both ways. And, again, that kind of gave Justin some comfort in terms of, you know, knowing that he's got some extra guys in there to help him block. And I think, you know, if you're going to set these long shots, these you know, these plays down the football field, you got to, you know, obviously block it up well, give the receivers time to get down and get open, but also give give your quarterback the comfort in the in the pocket to be able to look downfield and not worry that someone's coming, you know, come and take his head off, you know, right around the corner. So I, I look to see, I look for to see more of that moving forward. Um, now also you can also deviate from that as well and get a little more creative once you get, you know, up more into these games. But yeah, I think a 12 personnel. I liked that a lot last week against Washington, and I, I hope to see more uh, going forward. Uh, before we switch gears, I, w- I want to talk briefly about Darnell Mooney because should there be a concern regarding Justin Fields not getting Darnell Mooney the ball or at least more involved of the five games played? Mooney has had zero receptions in three of those games and has a total of eight catches this year. Uh, so with obviously a lot more attention being probably brought to DJ Moore in the coming games. Uh, Is this going to be an opportunity for Darnell Mooney to get going or what do you think might be the issue there? Yeah, the, the Bears' offense is going to need Darnell Moody to keep going because, like you said, I, I expect now to have some some coverage roll over you know, with a safety over at top of Darnell. I mean, uh, uh, DJ Moore, um, you know, even Justin. You know, after the game against Washington, said he was surprised how much how many times that DJ had single coverage. You know, no safety over the top. So I think that's going to change. You know, moving forward here, and Darnell Mooney is going to have to step up and have to make some plays. And and for whatever reason, it just seems like him and 
uh, uh, Justin are just not on the, the same page. I mean, you know, obviously there's some anticipation throws there where Justin kind of threw it to a spot where we thought Darnell was going to be there and just it wasn't, you know, wasn't there. There were a couple times in that first couple, you know, series against Washington, he had Darnell, you know, had a step on a defender and just just overthought, over overthrew him. So those two got to, you know, which is kind of surprising because those two have the, the, the longest chemistry, if you will, on the, on the team. So whatever it is, I think those two got to got to you know work it out and fix it because obviously, you know, I think we're gonna need Darnell Mooney to step it up and then also you know continue to get production from tight end with Cole Komet. And and I like to see another receiver come up, whether it's you know EQ St. Brown. Or even even though the rookie Tyler Scott, who I've really been a little bit disappointed in, because I I, I thought he would at least come in there and give you that that deep play, deep you know deep speed kind of a threat. And and so far he's been I think only has four receptions on the year for 20 yards. So he's been really you know, missing in action uh, when it comes to, to the offense. So obviously with Claypool out, you're gonna have to find someone else to, to come in now and, and give you some another option for for Justin and, and the offense. Now, before we jump to the defense, the Bears offensive line appears to be playing a bit better. Alyssa, do you have any updates on some of the injury situation? Because that's been that's been, you know, kind of a a that's been that's been kind of the M.O. for the Bears offensive line, not just this year, but in years past. Uh, What's what's going on with the health of the offensive line? And then, Danny, uh, we'll ask you to kind of evaluate their play. But I want to just know where we're looking at what we're looking at from a health standpoint. Yeah, as you mentioned, John, you know, the Bears have yet to have their entire in- intended starting offensive line on the field together this season, but it does seem that we're getting closer to that. And it was definitely encouraging after watching the Washington game. They definitely look like they are showing some progress, and that is without some pieces still. So as far as the injury updates go heading into week six, though, uh, center Lucas Patrick is still in concussion protocol uh, after exiting last Thursday's game. So if he's unable to go, the expectation still is that Cody Whitehair is going to be back at center against the Vikings, although Doug Kramer uh, has also been designated to return from IR, so he's someone who could be an option or factor into things, whether it's as a reserve. Um, and then Matty Eberflew seemed to hint that Tevin Jenkins, who returned uh, from IR last week and had a great game considering that he hadn't practiced all week, mm-hmm. uh, that he could continue to rotate at left guard, which is what he did um, last week against Washington. Um, and I'm assuming that would be with Jatiri Carter. And then finally, Braxton Jones, who landed on IR a few weeks ago with a neck injury, he will be eligible to return from IR next week against the Raiders. So until then, it's going to be Larry Borum at left tackle. But I mean, the offensive line, we're getting there. There are some injuries, but slowly but surely, we're starting to get those pieces back. Danny, a lot of moving parts there. And sometimes it's hard for an offensive line to gel when there's, you know, whether you're moving up and down the line or you're the guys getting inserted into the starting lineup because someone's going on IR. Uh, but they put together a pretty admirable performance uh, against the commanders. What did you see out there and what are you hoping to see in the future? Yeah, at, at halftime, I, I commented, I think the offensive line had, had a great first half. I mean, other than Donald Wright gave up that sack. Uh, but I mean, other than that, I mean, they, they gave Justin a clean pocket, gave him time back there to, to hit some, those deep shots down the field to, to DJ Moore. You know, obviously the, the offense moved the ball up and down the field. And then what excited me, John, was something I, we've been talking about, you and I and Alyssa, and also with Coach T on the postgame show, is is that right side, the combination of Nate Davis and Donnell Wright, you know, people movers. You know, they might struggle here and there with some pass pro, but, you know, these are guys as a, as a run blockers can move guys off the line of scrimmage. And we saw some big chunks of runs there as Killer Herbert got behind those two big boys and got, you know, yards and got into the secondary of, of, the, of the commander. So I think that was exciting. That's something I've been calling for. And finally, we saw some of that against Washington. I want to continue that moving forward because this run game, you know, it's going to still be a big part of, of, of what the Bears do offensively. So, you know, Tevin Jenkins, uh, you know, 
Kevin Umland came back, and I think he made an impact right away. Obviously, it was on a little bit of a, of a snap count a limit there, so they were kind of rotating him in and out. But you, you notice when he was out and Jatir Carter was in there, there was, a, there was a difference there in terms of play, in terms of, you know, moving guys off the off the pocket, even in pass protection. So, um, you know, definitely like to see Tevin Jenkins get back and stay healthy, you know, just, just you know, lock down that left guard position. And hopefully when Braxton Jones comes back, that can for, you know, further solidify this offensive line. And now we finally got five guys that can that can move forward. And, and uh, in terms of Corey Whitehair, I like seeing him at center. Um, in terms of his position there, the snaps, he's going to work on those shotgun snaps, but he was kind of thrown into it, you know, uh, you know, ha- halfway through the game. So hopefully that, that gets, that gets corrected this week. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, that if that line gets healthy and we got, you know, Jones and Jenkins and Whitehair at center with, along with Nate Davis and, and Darnell Wright, a, a rookie who continues to get better. Uh, I think that's going to be a nice solid foundation there for the offensive line. It would be great to see that offensive line hit their stride right at this point of the season, and uh, especially with some winnable games on the schedule, it'd be nice if that if that offensive line could start gelling and really start peaking uh, right around now. So imagine if we had a good offensive line finally, right? If I only have a good offensive line. Here, why are you asking for so much, Danny? What is that, Danny? I don't know what that is. <laughs> why I don't understand why you, you why do you ask for so much? <laughs> There's you, you don't get that. You Too much get to one, ask for. Yeah. Let's let, so let's move to something that was surprisingly you know, effective uh, against the Commanders was the defense. Uh, now, head coach Matt Eberflus announced that the team was searching for a senior defensive analyst to help the team prepare for upcoming opponents. Uh, I'm not sure anything really came of that today when we, whenever uh, Eberflus talked, but uh, Alyssa, have you heard anything about possible candidates? And then Danny, go ahead and give us your idea of what, because I you know this is something you kind of talked about earlier in the season before they even announced it, uh, but then we'll go to you. But Alyssa, any updates on that? Yeah, as far as possible candidates go, there aren't really any names that Eberflus has floated around so far, but there is one name that we can definitively rule out, and that's uh, uh, Rod Marinelli, who Eberflus said is very comfortable in retirement, and I would be too. Uh, Plus, it already sounds like Eberflus is kind of getting some tips for Marinelli because they talk on the regular, so... I mean, as far as that goes, but if the Bears do bring in a senior defensive analyst, which Iberflu said he would like to get that hire in soon, Iberflu said he's still going to be the one calling the defensive plays. Danny, I know that you are all about Rod Marinelli, and I'm sure that was that was probably a, a strike to your heart there. <laughs> but uh, how do you how do you feel about this? And do you can you think of any names or anybody that might be able to step into that role? Yeah, John, this is just further proof that someone at Hallis Hall is listening to the to the bar room here at our podcast because yeah, like you said, uh, I, don't know, I forgot if it was on, on your show here in the basement or if it was after after the uh, numerous times you brought up Rod Marinelli's voice. They gotta bring in a, a um an, an analyst, you know, a senior uh, analyst to kind of help uh you know Eberflus to the week. Marinelli was a guy I wanted, but obviously, you know, and he kind of said he's very on retirement. You know, there are a couple of names that that obviously everyone's talking about here in, in the press. It's that's Leslie Frazier, who obviously is the former Bears cornerback. Former head coach of the Vikings, most recently was the uh, the Bills defensive coordinator. He stepped away. Not sure if that was mutual, if that was on his part, but he's out there uh, as a possibility. Gary Pinkle, former Missouri head coach, uh, his teams were always known for a tough, hard nosed defense. Him and Eberflus have a history together, going back to the days I believe in Toledo. But a couple of names that I have not heard, and I just kind of throw out there, just keep a name on it, keep a, keep an eye on it is is a uh, former Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer. Uh, you know, he's a guy that, you know, was a defensive corner, successful one in, in, in the league with the Bengals, with the Cowboys, obviously was, a, was the Vikings head coach there for a while. So, I, you know, I haven't heard his name, but he's a guy that kind of intrigues me. 
and in a long shot, and I think I, again, this is a long shot, but the only reason I bring this guy up is because he's got a connection currently at House Hall with the Bears coaching staff. And that's former Bears head coach Dave Wanstead. Uh, he does work here for local NBC Sports uh, affiliate covering the, the team. So he has knowledge of the, the players, their ability, you know, the guys on the roster. Uh, obviously, he runs a 4-3 scheme. He has he knows Matt Eberflus. He's been up there at training camp. He, he does. Uh, he has talked to him. He has a connection with, you know, with um, Luke Getze and uh, Andrew Ginoco from the, the days at Pitt. So there, there's a little connection there with, with Wanstead and, and the Bears. I just don't know. Obviously, he does the Bears thing here locally. He does it for uh, Fox affiliate nationally. So I'm not sure if, if that would be something he, he would want to do in terms of leaving the TV booth. But again, this is a remote uh, position, according to Iberflu. So all whoever this guy is higher, all you do is just kind of like, you know, look ahead to the next week's uh, opponent kind of break down their you know their their team in terms of their strengths and all that stuff and just give Ibrahim some some coaching points and then obviously Ibrahim will call the defense during the week so Zimmer and Wants are two names I kind of just I kind of like keep an eye on see if they, they kind of intrigue me see if that comes out but yeah the the, the guys that really are getting the the hype here in, in terms of the media is is either Leslie Frazier or, or Gary Pinkle yeah it's interesting for some of those names because if Eberflus assumes, and I'm saying if if Eberflus assumes that he he's going to be back next year, you're wondering if that uh, if that analyst or senior whatever uh, would be someone that you would bring on the staff next year. And so, would you bring in a guy that would would want to be there as a defensive coordinator next year, or is this just a one off? And so, I'm not saying that we assume that you know Matt Eberflus is going to be here next year, but if he were, you don't know if this you know this this guy that he's bringing in to you know help supplement the defense. Well, if you're already here, why don't you turn this into a permanent thing and become the defensive coordinator? And some of those guys might not be interested in that. So, I don't know if that's going to weigh into the decision or not. Uh, but it, it is. It's just it's a strange situation, but it's, uh, you know, it's like, but Danny, you have been talking about bringing in someone to talk, uh, to look over the defense for, I think, you know, before the defensive coordinator even left, I think that you, you were, you were talking about that. So, uh, we'll, we'll see how that, how that search, uh, progresses, but let's say with the defense, because the bears defense blitzed Sam Howell last week on about 28% of his dropbacks. And that resulted in 23 pressures, 11 quarterback hits, five sacks. And those were the, you know, season's best numbers. So, uh, Danny, you've been calling for more blitzes. I think everyone's been calling for more blitzes. Do you think that they're going to continue that aggressive nature moving forward where it's just like, okay, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us because we brought it, we brought the house at you. Well, that's the thing I've been saying all along is like is your front four uh, is not getting to the quarterback, right? This whole defense is predicated on the front four causing pressure and on the other guys that are dropping back in, in, in zone and, and making plays on the football. So you know, if you're not going to do that, you got to do something. You can't just let these quarterbacks sit back there and, and go ahead and just pick you apart. So because you're getting beat anyway, might as well just bring the pressure. And I think and then that's what I was pleasantly surprised with with finally Eberflus took him five weeks, but he finally started bringing some pressure and he brought it from all levels. He brought it from the linebackers and that old, you know, Lovey Smith defense and that, that mug look with the two linebackers in the middle of the, of the a gap, you know, that that's, he brought that option there. He brought the safety, Jokon Brisker. He bought the nickel corner, uh, Strowman. I, I mean, those, those are things you, you got to continue doing now with, 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 uh, Kirk, you know, Kirk Cousins, a quarterback, it's different, right? This is, he's a, he's a veteran who's seen practically every bullets. He's pretty good in terms of determining what's coming, you know, pre-snap. So you have to disguise it and you have to pick and choose your spots, right? I'm assuming, you know, third and long or, or situations where you really want to force them into a situation where they have to either get rid of the football quickly or, or even better force them off the football field. I think that's where you're going to do. You're not going to, I don't think he's going to blitz them as much as he blitzed, you know, Sam Howell, a young quarterback, but I think he will, 
uh, you know, incorporate some blitzes here and there, just to, you know, at least help the team get the defense get off the football field, especially on on third downs. Yeah, I think that you make up a good point. It depends on who they're facing, who the quarterback is that they're facing. Because if you're you're going against a, a Mahomes that they already gone, maybe you're not going to throw as many blitzes at him and let him burn you. But if you're going against Sam Howell, then that's you know that's a guy that you can try to put some pressure on. So we'll see uh, if if they continue that blitz, uh, if they keep that as a tool in in the uh, in the toolbox, so to speak. Uh, Alyssa, the Bears' defensive backfield has been hit by injuries, and they've been throwing in a lot of different guys in that rotation. Any chance? that any of those guys are going to be seeing the field this week or in the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, after the Bears have been dealing with all these injuries, there's finally some good news starting to come about, whether it's the offensive line or now the secondary. So Jalen Johnson told 670 of the score last week that he would be back for Sunday's game against the Vikings, and it's definitely trending that way. Johnson who missed the last two games with a hamstring injury, was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday. So that's an encouraging sign. Kyler Gordon, who had a broken hand and had surgery on that a few weeks ago, was designated to return from injured reserve this week. You know, Matt Eberflus did say, though, that he has to check a few boxes if he's going to play on Sunday against the Vikings, whether that's conditioning, his movement, how he's going to use that hand. So it was encouraging to see that Gordon was limited on Wednesday. So we'll see how that trends. And then Eddie Jackson as well, you know, he's missed last three games with that foot injury and the bears opted not to place him on IR and all indications are that he'll be back on Sunday as well. He was also limited. So it sounds like they're got the bears are about to get back uh, their entire starting secondary. That again, hasn't happened since week one. So that will be encouraging. And like listening to Jalen Johnson, he really, he believes that the starters will be out there on Sunday against the Vikings. So other injury notes, a rookie, uh, Terrell Smith, who had a great game against Washington, he's nursing an ankle injury that he suffered against the commanders. He was limited on Wednesday, so he should be available. Danny, you were talking about getting some of these uh, guys in before all the injuries hit. So uh, have any of these guys that were brought in as subs, uh, have they played themselves into more playing time in your opinion? Well, for me, uh, obviously Terrell Smith is a guy that, that we picked them in a fifth round out of Minnesota. Uh, I was higher on him than actually Tyreek Stevenson coming out of out of Miami. So I mean, obviously Stevenson went in the second round. They got Smith in the fifth round. I think that was a steal with Smith, and he's he came in and he he played well in my opinion. You know, obviously uh, Alyssa, Alyssa just mentioned him. You know, nursing that ankle injury, so we'll see if he plays. But yeah, I mean Terrell Smith really, I think he's kind of for me at least gone up the depth chart and, and passed. Tyreek Stevenson right now in terms of, you know, being a starter opposite of, of Jalen Johnson when Jalen Johnson comes back. And Greg Stroman, man, what a game he had last week. You know, he had a pick, he had a sack, uh, playing that nickel position. And I think this is a guy that deserves more playing time. Now, obviously, with Kyle Gordon coming back, I'm assuming they're going to – the Bears coaches are going to stick to the guns and, and move Gordon back to, to the nickel position, even though I think he should he's better on the outside as a, as a corner. But uh, so I, I think that might limit – Strowman's uh, ability to get back on the football field. But, hey, I mean, you know, with Minnesota down, you know, Richard, uh, J uh, Justin Jefferson, they're going to probably throw out some, you know, some other receivers out there as well. So you're going to have to, you know, you probably use a lot more, you know, D DBs. But I think Terrell Smith has, has, in my opinion, jumped Tyreek Stevenson for a starting position. And Greg Strowman has really come in and impressed, you know, the last two, even versus Denver. I think he had, he had a, you know, solid game. I just like the the versatility he does at, at the nickel corner, be able to blitz, you know, get that sack and, and also get that uh, nice job of reading that route, undercutting it and picking off Sam Howell. So those two guys definitely stood out for me. All right, let's play a little uh, fill-in-the-blank game here. Uh, as we as we head into game six, let's talk about expectations for certain players. Danny and Alyssa, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I need you to pick one or two players, 
and uh, who you think need to step their game up or become a more involved player with the Bears. And so the the uh, phrase will be, I, for one, think that blank should blank. And and, and for any of our older listeners, I'm, I believe this is match game that we're playing here. And, I, and even that's that's even before my time, but I remember my dad watching it all the time, match game. So here here, here is the question. I think, I, for one, think that blank should blank. And I know that I'm giving you a whole lot to work with there. So offense, defense, uh, who who needs to step up and what do they need to do? Uh, who am I going to put on the spot first? I'm going to put Danny on the spot first. Danny, go. Oh, ladies first. Come on. You got to go. <laughs> no, you um, just don't want to answer. That's no, no. <laughs> I think Deontay Foreman needs to step up in the absence of Khalil Herbert. Obviously, the Bears rushing attack the last two weeks has been kicking in you know and over 100 some yards that that can't that can't stop you know justin fields and his success you know getting the ball downfield that all it's predicated by that rushing attack in my opinion i think you know deontay foreman you know when he signed here he, you know he proclaimed that he sees himself as a starter obviously i'm sure he's disappointed be having being inactive the last couple of weeks well this is your opportunity here to come in and i'm assuming he's going to start uh roshan johnson I, I think is still in concussion protocol last time i heard so i think deontay format's opportunity here to step up and and, and kind of take reins of this starting job up until you know khalil herbert comes back so i think you know, if you think you're a starter deontay foreman Go ahead and show it because the Bears still need that ground game to be able to support that passing attack to allow Justin Fields to continue to cook down the football field. Alyssa, you think blank should blank. <laughs> that was a good one, Danny. Um, I, for one, think that Cody Whitehair needs Ooh. to – because I should or needs needs to step up uh, at center for the Bears. This offensive line uh, faces a big test against the Vikings, and when you kind of look across the board – this season, Whitehair has been one of the weaker links. And granted, in that last game against Washington, he did have to mid-game make the switch from left guard to center. And he actually started the season at center, then had to move to left guard after Tevin got hurt, then has now then had to move back to center. So, I mean, it's a lot, but Cody's a veteran. And for the money that he's being paid, I want to see him step up and help anchor this offensive line that is going to face, uh, face a big challenge against this Vikings pass rush on Sunday. I think we might have just fallen ass backwards into a new segment that we're going to do where we could we can mirror an old game show wait, wait you and, don't answer the question you don't get to answer come on I'm, John. I'm simply the host i'm the guy oh. with that big long thin microphone talking to everybody no Ooh. i think no i no, i'll play I, I think darnell mooney should get more involved because they're gonna they're gonna need they're gonna need that second receiver to step up because dj moore is going to get a lot more attention moving forward he's not flying under the radar anymore so chase claypool's not there anymore they need darnell mooney to step up and be that high flyer guy who can go up and, and get a big catch or he can blow the top off of the defense because he's going to get he's probably going to be getting a lot of single coverage so i think darnell mooney should be the uh should step up and be that number two guy and maybe solidify a new contract for himself in chicago that that would be great uh but as, as i was saying before i think we might have fallen into a new segment we just we just mirrored match games so maybe next week we do i don't know what's your favorite 70s game show i wasn't alive in the 70s what's your favorite what's your uh was family feud Beth? i mean i watched family, family feud, feud could be there uh <laughs> card sharks um the, the daily game. game was around uh what'd the you say we're back in two and two okay we uh, i don't know i don't know what i don't know any of that is uh, let's, let's, oh, uh, uh, what, price is right 
Price is right is there. Love connection. Uh, love connection. Thank you. Jeopardy's there that we could obviously play. Uh, I'm, I'm now now I'm just trying to think of old game shows that I can that uh, this, this, this is supposed to be a bear. Well, this is fun. But we, we're gonna you know what we're just gonna throw uh no big bucks no whammies. What's that? What was that called? Uh, oh yes. Uh, pressure luck. Oh, pressure luck. Yes. Pressure yeah, luck. Yeah. I see. Uh, people are all right. People are joining the in the in the in the chat. The I, gong, the I gong like the gong show. show. <laughs> the gong show. You just go on a rant and then boom. No, I'm sorry. Card sharks is another one. I enjoyed card sharks. That was a good one. Uh, so well, yeah, what, what are we talking about? Oh, the Chicago Bears. That's right. Uh, oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's let's kind of let's kind of end on this, guys. Um, the Bears got their first win in almost a calendar year. So I, everyone, the, you know, the Bears fans are allowed to be excited. I said that you're allowed to be excited about a, a team that won their first game in a long time. It's okay to be, you know, riled up against that and excited. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people outside of the Chicago Bears realm were saying, oh, look how excited they are. One game, blah, 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 blah. That being said, what are your expectations moving forward? And I, and I'm going to, you know what, Alyssa, I'm putting you under the, on the spot this time because they got one game. They got one win. Obviously we still don't expect super bowl. Don't expect playoffs, but as we said before, they have a pretty nice schedule moving forward where if they wanted to get a few games, they put, they potentially could. So, what are your expectations? Have they changed at all after that win? And I'm not saying expectations like, oh, playoffs, but have your expectations changed at all on anything? Yeah, I think obviously the obvious answer is Justin Fields. I mean, after stringing together a couple of really solid games, it really feels like he's starting to put it together, turning a corner, which we've been waiting for. Um, and so this is going to be important, these these last 12 games for him, because like I mentioned earlier, Ryan Poles has a very important decision to make at the end of the season. I mean, assuming the Bears have, whether it's a number one pick or a top five pick or multiple, um, it, you know, Justin Fields needs, needs to prove, is he going to be the franchise quarterback of this team? Otherwise, Ryan Poles is going to go out there and get his guys. So I do think, though, I'm encouraged by what I've seen from Fields over the last couple of weeks. And that's not just because of the level of competition he's been playing. You know, Packers fans will say that. That's the first thing they're going to mention. But, you know, it's just really encouraging to see Fields. Like, he just looks more confident and comfortable. And it's like, you could tell that there's less coaching. He's being le less coached after those comments that he made. He's able to go out there and just play the accuracy that he's throwing with how he's able to use his eyes to manipulate the safety like i mean it's just like really impressive it feels like we just like snapped our fingers and now hey there he is and again it, it took a little while right because we know quarterback development isn't linear it's going to take some guys longer than others to get there so i am really encouraged by what i've seen from him i feel like with this defense i'm just not confident in them i i mean again that defensive line needs to be better uh, so I don't know, we could be in for a similar situation last year where we see the Bears offense really putting up the points and seeing Justin Fields go off maybe this time with his arm instead of his legs, but then losing some of these games because that defense can't hang. So, I mean, I will say I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I, before this game, I was like, oh my God, what if they're the first, like, what if they go 0-17? Like, now that they yeah. have the win, I do feel like they're going to win a few more games here. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling optimistic, which was a lot more than what I would have said in the last few weeks. 
Yeah, and uh, I'm optimistic, and, it, and I, it just sparked my memory from something that uh, Nano said in the chat. Getsy didn't call the tight end sneak on fourth and short or third and short. Yes. So I, that, I, I, I see that we may have learned a lesson there that you, you can trust your six three, two hundred and thirty pound quarterback to move forward. The tush push was, yeah. was in was in full effect. I can't, I can't imagine that. four for four on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So why not just take? You don't have to play. You don't have to play chess when you, all you have to do is play checkers. But uh, Danny, what has has anything as far as your expectations? change i know you've all you've been on justin fields from the beginning so that, that obviously nothing's probably changed there but as far as you know players that could stick around or coaches that could stick around or gms that could stick around has anything changed as far as uh, your expectations moving forward uh i'm not saying completely changed but are now possibly a question well, I smile because after the game, uh, you know, Coach T and I and, and Aldo got into a little, you know, back and forth in terms of, you know, they, you know, they were talking about some some positivity in terms of maybe this coaching staff has has a chance of, of you know, becoming a, a good coaching staff. And I just said, you know what, guys, it, it took five weeks for this guy to figure out that he his defensive line cannot get to the quarterback and he needs to start blitzing. He finally blitzed because possibly his job was on the line. And lo and behold, you know, they got, you know, 11 quarterback hurries, five sacks, and he created some turnover. So, you know, it, it took him that long to, to to figure that out. And he's a defensive-minded coach. It, I, I really – I have no expectations in terms of this coaching staff, you know, becoming, uh, you know, the long-term answer, long-term solution here. Obviously, seeing Justin Fields and, and the offense put up those those points, that's that's great to see. Uh, but like, like you said, that just solidifies my belief in, in, in that kid and, and, and what he could do. Uh, but, you know, in terms of this coaching set, unless they go out and they, they, they you know, brought five games in a row here, then we can start talking because that means they've, they've gone to the Chargers and they've been a good team on the road. They've gone to New Orleans and, and being, you know, a, a solid team on the road. And now we can say, all right, what's going on? What's changed? What has this coaching staff done to to a hey, improve player development? You know, put guys in positions to, you know, to to kind of succeed out there on the football field. So, you know, one game doesn't doesn't change the the 14 game losing streak and where, where they gave up an average of 25 plus points on defense in those 14 losses. So, you know, for me, it's, it's like, it's, you got to prove it to me. And, and right now I'm still expecting to have a, a whole new coaching staff after this season. Um, you know, depending, obviously it's, that could change depending on what they do here going forward. But my expectations right now are, are, are that this, this coaching staff is, is still the same coaching staff and, and that they'll be gone by the end of the year. Yeah, it is interesting. It's almost like it was cyclical. Where the the remember last year during the it was the Commanders game where we were just we were fed up with the offense. It was just what what what's going on? Why can't they get the offense on track? And then all of a sudden they started you know they changed the offense around and Justin Fields is running a little bit more and they were to score points. And then they go back this year and it's like another five weeks where it's like or another you know three first three weeks like what's wrong with the offense? Can't get it done. And then they stay they they you know start doing things to play to Justin Fields' strength and uh, the defense. I mean, like you said, Danny, he's a defensive coach, and he had took him a while to figure out the defense. So, uh, I mean, I, I can't – I'm not going to make a strong uh, thing that they're absolutely not going to be back because it's the Chicago Bears, and we know that sometimes they bring people back that probably shouldn't be back. But uh, I, I so we'll play – I think that there probably is a threshold there for wins. If they only get four wins this year like how can you say that that's progress after you know i think three wins last year and then you and you added all these guys in free agency you're supposed to have another year in both of these systems and so there probably is some kind of a threshold there for the for this coaching staff but we gotta let that play out and you know we can enjoy this win and hopefully they can they can start piling on some wins uh and they're they're not 
they, look, this wasn't this isn't a tank year, so we don't have to be like, hey, look, we, they're they're increasing their draft uh, stock. We can we can root against the, the Panthers every week now for that. The pan the, mm-hmm. the Panthers are the are the are the, probably the vehicle that's going to get you one of those really high picks. So you can just turn on the Panthers game every week and just root against them if you're worried about draft draft position. You can still root for the Bears to to, to win. So uh, and it's not going to take much, yeah. John. If if this defense is respectable, if this defense, you know, like I said, I, I've been saying all year, if they're like, you know, middle. You know, late, late teens, early twenties in terms of ranking overall, you know, and just you know, hold you know these teams to to you know 20, 24 or less points per game. I would say I'm not asking for a lot. It's just you know, let's get creative, let's do, make some stops here, get them off on third downs. And I think the way Justin and, and the offense are rolling, you can you can win some games. You can, now you can you can show some you know, to your fans here, to the to the media, everybody. Hey, some growth here, some development here, and then they can move on forward. But you know, it, it's it, it's it's one game, and, and I gave them credit after the game. I I, I gave. Uh, Eberflus and his staff credit. They came off uh, after after a tough loss at home. The game they should have they should have frankly won against the Denver Broncos. Came out in a short week and, and on the road. It's hard to win in the NFL and especially hard to win on the road on a short week. And they came out there and they won the game. So I gave him credit for that. So let's just see if anything else he shows me anything else you know throughout the the season and where he's putting guys. Guys are getting better. You know we saw Garon Dexter make an impact. He didn't get a sack or anything. Like that be a couple a couple of hurries. You know those young guys getting better. I, I get coached up. That's what I want to see. That'll then give me some some evidence that all right this coaching staff is, is doing something to make this roster better that's right and we'll see if they can get a win against the vikings and then they got then they host uh the uh the raiders i'll be at that game so we'll see. <gasps> there you go we'll see, we'll see that's, lucky rabbit foot. Sure. Yeah. that's a win that's i'm picking sure. a win I'm i don't like them. the pressure that's been put on me here like, i'm putting money the, on it i think that's the first that's the first time i ever saw the bears <laughs> you, you gotta wear the same exact outfit you wore to yes. washington down I'm to be a little chilly it was unseasonably warm in dc that day i'm gonna be take one for the team john take one for the team freeze it out why not? Uh, so, uh, before we wrap things up here, I didn't want to go. We had a question in the chat room. It was about it was a family question. It said, is John related to Doug Buffone Jr.? I played high school football with him uh, at Loyola Academy many moons ago. Yeah, Doug Jr. would be my cousin. That would be uh, Doug's, uh, that would be Doug's uh, son. That would be my cousin. So there is a family connection there. That's pretty neat that uh, someone played against Doug Jr. there. So let's let's wrap some things up here. Uh, Alyssa, before we before we unplug here what's going on over at all of the wires specifically bears wire what kind of content is going out this week well every day we're keeping bears fans informed with all the latest news including lots of injury news and updates that are going to be trickling out through the week and previewing sunday's game against the vikings we've got matchups betting analysis injury updates you name it also i had my latest hot seat my second edition hot seat Mm -hmm. rankings where everyone went down a little bit but no one's safe (laughs) Now, now would be a great time for it. Put me back on, Aldo. There we are. <laughs> like now, now with uh, with uh, Chase Claypool uh, gone, I mean, have I mean, it's been done over and over again. But I would love to revisit the best trades in the, in the Bears history and the worst trades. I'm trying. Can we think of any? Giving me article ideas. Yeah, like do, can we think of some of the best trades off the top of our heads? Like I, I'm I'm putting the pressure. DJ on. Moore. DJ Moore. Yeah, yeah. I would say DJ Moore is a great trade. Uh, <laughs> Who? Glow Mac. Glow, Glow well, Mac. Glow Mac was the one. That, who did they trade? Did they trade Marty Booker for uh, Agunle? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't yeah. So I mean, I could see that as a win there. I mean, they, they, I mean, he was a big part of that defense in in the uh, in the early two thousands. And I'm sure there's ones that I'm missing. I, they have to have some good trades in there somewhere. I'm not sure. Okay. No, 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 more bad than good. Was that Danny? Color was a good trade. 
at the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he still, he did That's set all of the bears passing records. So you, I guess you got to think now, once again, the bar set pretty low on that, but uh, they, so I guess, I, I mean, it's, it didn't, it didn't amount to a lot of championships or any championships, but uh, he, he, he was, at least, you know, you had a, you had a big arm talent back there. Maybe not maybe the best decision maker, but had a big old cannon of an arm back there. But uh, I still but, feel at the end of everything, the Justin Field trade is going to be one of the best, best trades in Bears history. You had to I'm work a believer. You I'm a believer. You had to work that in, Danny. <laughs> your I, you lips to God's ears, Danny. He, you know what? <laughs> he commits to it. He commits. It's not even a bit. This isn't committing to the bit. This is Danny authentic. Danny Shimon, Justin Fields, number one fan. And, and, and listen, listen, I'm with you. I, I want to see this guy take the bears to a heights that I've never seen in my lifetime. I wasn't, I was not, a, I was not alive in 1985. I want to see that. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I'm with you. I hope, I hope that it all works John, out. But. I'm, I'm curious, like I'm, I'm being there, did you, did you guys had a, I'm not sure where you were sitting. Zach, did you see Justin on the, on the bench at all? Cause on the TV, we were watching the game and he never sat down when the defense was on the field. It was like, look like he was out there just, just rooting his team on. And, and like, he was like a man possessed in terms of like, he wanted to get that victory uh, on Thursday. I wonder if you guys got the same angle from where you were sitting in terms of where, you know, if you noticed what Justin was doing on, on the bench. I didn't see, I didn't pay a lot of attention to him on the bench, but what I will say holistically was there was a lot of energy on the Bears sideline that week uh, on Thursday. And, and I'm not sure what exactly put the charge into them, but you could tell even in warmups they you could tell that there was a lot of electricity going through them. So that's, that's, that's pretty, that was pretty incredible to see that an 0 and 14 coming in on an, on a, an away game, on Thursday and they were, and they had that much energy and they had that much, uh, they had that much motivation. So it was, that was, it was pretty cool to see. And I hope they do carry that, uh, hope to carry that into the rest of the season. Uh, Danny, before yeah. we sign off, I think we were able to put off the mock draft talk for one week. So what exactly, no, what exactly it's, are it's you? Uh, I'm, I'm still, I'm still yeah, looking okay, at okay. tapes in it. As a matter of fact, I've, you know, I've, I've been uh, scouring some, some tapes here and, and I'm going to be pr- putting something out here soon where, we're gonna be, you know, posting some stuff on on our uh, our website here, where uh, some little clips here, some previews of, of guys that I've got my eye on, spe- specifically for this Bears offense slash defense. So keep an eye on that, uh, you know, as as we release it here on on uh, over Twitter or our X, whatever it's called now. It all works. It, uh, you type in Twitter, it goes there. You type in X, it goes there. It's it's all the same. So uh, that I think that'll do it for this edition of Buffone 55. And don't forget to join Danny, me, and our and new analyst, Coach T, for Bear Football for the After the Game Show. The three of us will share our immediate reactions. As soon as that clock hits triple zero, we're going to go live. For better or worse, we'll give you our immediate emotional reactions and break down some of the things and some of the key plays that happened in that game. We'll also carry Coach Eberflus and Justin Fields' press conference on that show. So make sure you jump into the chat room as soon as the game is over, whether it's a win or a lose or a tie. Sure, why not? Uh, but we'll, we'll go live right after that. But that will do it for this edition of Buffone 55. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether it's the live version, the podcast version, the audio version, or the video version. We appreciate each and every one of you, whether it's your first time or your 55th time. We love having you here. But that'll do it for Buffone 55. For Alyssa Barbieri, Danny Shimon, I'm John Buffone. We'll see you next time.